That said, uh, the last week in our series, Behold, the Days Are Coming, uh, Let Us Not Sleep is the message today. If you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I'm going to begin at verse 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in the back of the New Testament. Paul writing to that church on his second missionary journey when he was in Corinth after he established the church. It's called one of the early epistles of Paul. And then Luke chapter 21, as Jesus is concluding the Olivet Discourse, we'll begin reading at verse 34, go through verse 36. So Luke 21, 34 through 36, and then 1 Thessalonians, I'm going to begin reading there. Chapter 5, verse 1, after Paul speaks about the rapture of the church, that we're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds, those who have risen first, gone on before us. We will meet the Lord in the air, thus we shall always be with the Lord, comfort one another with these words. But concerning the times, now verse 1 of chapter 5, and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, again changing the pronoun, when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, you brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We're not of the night nor of darkness. Verse 6, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but attain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then reading the words of Jesus, again in Luke chapter 21, in verse 34. Jesus says, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things. They will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So let's pray. Father, as we conclude this series, we know that the things that we have talked about, your prophetic word given to us, is, is going to come to pass. Even as Jesus says in Luke's um, passage here, uh, right before what we just read, that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will no means pass away. So I do pray, Lord, that you would help us be attentive, quiet, phones, ringers off, and um, this is important for us as we close this year and enter into a new year. So touch our hearts with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So in our series over the last eight weeks, we have looked at the prophetic scenario so that we have a good biblical understanding of the end times and the coming of the Lord. Many have expressed and even gotten emails <clears throat> and messages from people that have been watching online all over the country that they have been blessed uh, as we've been studying God's word concerning the end of days. And we know that the world is headed to a conclusion where Jesus will come for his church in what is called the rapture of the church or the blessed hope. There will be then a time called the day of the Lord. Paul calls it a time of darkness. It comes as a thief in the night. 
That is, it comes suddenly and unexpectedly. When they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. Jesus would speak in the Olivet Discourse of the signs of the end as birth pangs, as labor pains, and all these things that we have looked at over the last several weeks, the birth pangs, the stage-setting events concerning the end times, it's all headed somewhere to where it will usher in the coming of Christ in his kingdom. Jesus would say that heaven and earth will pass away, but not my words. And we know that it is declared throughout his word that it will come to pass. And truly, behold, the days are coming. And these studies that we have done, I pray, makes us wise in the days in which we are living in, discerning, I believe with all of my heart, that it is God's heart, that we are all wise concerning the day in which we are living in. To be discerning in a day in which we are living in. To be watching. And as we come to the end of another year, and as we are going to enter into a new year in, in just a few hours, it is the exhortation from God's word that is very timely. Let us not sleep as others, but let us watch and be sober. There is a warning that is given to us, to you and to me and to our church, not to get sleepy spiritually or become dull or complacent. We're not to get weighed down with the things of the world, and it can happen to us very easily, and it can happen subtly. It concerns me, and I know it does you, when believers or when a church gets sleepy and drowsy spiritually, rather than being watchful and sober as we are commanded to do. And the message in God's word to us as we close this year and as we move into a new year is don't go to sleep. Wake up. Be sober, be vigilant, beware of the days in which are dark, and the enemy who knows that his time is short is going to do everything that he can to get you and me to be distracted or dull in our hearts about the things of the Lord, to be captivated by the world and the things of the world. We begin to say, I don't have time for devotions. I don't have time to lead family devotions, men. I don't have time to pray with my spouse or pray with my kids. Being in church and being in fellowship is not a priority for us. Uh, To serve the Lord and whatever he might have for you or to invest in the kingdom of God. So how is it that we can keep from being lethargic, sleepy spiritually? And this is important. Very important considerations as we close out this series. As we read, as Paul's writing to a young church uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, that we are told that we're to put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation. Where does faith come from? Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans tells us. The way that you and I, please don't ever forget this, the way that we're going to be strong in faith is being in the word of God, taking in the word of God, trusting what the word declares. We are to arm ourselves with the breastplate of faith and love, to love God and to love others. And I'll tell you the truth on this, and you know this to be true, that as you are growing in faith, you're going to grow in love for others. You're going to grow in love for the Lord. We are to put on the helmet of salvation, which is so important, because we have such a great salvation that has been given to us. 
Sometimes we forget about that as we go through the day or go through the trials and difficulties of life. And the enemy will come along and try to discourage you and pull you away from the Lord. He'll put doubts into your mind or, or tell you that you don't need to be about the things of the kingdom. Remember the great salvation that you and I have, the helmet of salvation. The enemy is going to attack you in your mind. The accuser of the brethren who accuses us day and night. Put on the helmet of salvation that you are mindful every single day and thankful that I am saved. And the Lord's going to take me home to be with him. And that is my security. And he is coming back and we're going to rule and reign with him. So number one, verse eight, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, the helmet of salvation. That's the armor we're to put on as we are in a battle every day as that will continue going into 2024. But secondly, as we wrap up this year, looking again, once again, at the words of Jesus, he gives us very important exhortation. As Luke chapter 21, we read, in light of the return of our Lord, how we should live. Peter would write some of the last words of Peter before he was put to death in 2 Peter chapter 3. That what manner of persons ought we to be in holy conduct and godliness. Jesus here puts some very specific things in front of us in how we should conduct ourselves in the light of his coming. Verse 34, take heed to yourselves. The language is, is saying that this is something that we do now. It's not just something that we think about, or maybe it's a good idea, or I should consider it, or it's a suggestion. It's a commandment. It's a present imperative that you must continually be taking heed to yourself. He's not saying take heed to yourselves in that I'm self-focused, or life is centered around me and what I want to do and go my own way, but rather... Be careful. Pay constant attention to yourself spiritually. Be alert. Be awake uh, and watching. And as we see in the other places in the New Testament concerning the Lord's return and what our response to it and the warning is given that if you don't consistently take heed to yourself, then there can be a dullness. Listen. A dullness that begins to happen in our hearts. He says that in verse 34, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. Take heed to yourselves. <clears throat> Pay attention. By the way, that's what we're to do uh, as we are told that daily as Christians. Paul writing to Timothy, young, writing to his young protege, and says, Timothy, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. That is the truth of God's word. <clears throat> Be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in purity, and in faith. Paul, when he was addressing the Ephesian elders for the last time in Acts chapter 20, says, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, the shepherd, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. If you, and I know that you do, you that are here, if you want to be a godly influence to those that are linked to you in your life, if you want to be a godly influence, men, to your spouse, to your wife, to your kids that you're raising, you're desiring to be the priest in your home, that moms, you're desiring to be a blessing and great influence to your children, grandparents to your grandchildren. Do you want to be a godly influence to those who are linked to you in your life, whatever state that you're in? 
It's very important that you take heed to yourself spiritually. And here is Jesus is talking about in light of my return, take heed to yourselves, lest now he says something that I, I don't want to happen to me. I don't want to do. It's a warning he gives here. Uh, lest your hearts be weighed down. He is not talking about our hearts beating in our chest. It is speaking of the deepest re- recesses of our very being, the real you, your spiritual being, not just your intellect, but the deepest part of you. Beware lest your hearts be weighed down. The King James uses the word overcharge. It is the only time that it is used in the New Testament, that word. The word means to be laden down, to be burdened down, to New King James, as I'm reading from uh, that uh, version, weighed down. It takes on the meaning of a dullness of heart. Listen, this is important for us as Christians in our daily lives. If you, if me, because this is for me as well, that if we are not taking heed to ourselves spiritually and consistently and constantly, then what will happen is we will have a dullness of heart. We will have a dullness of heart towards the things of the Lord. It speaks of also being desensitized. You see, as Christians, we can get weighed down with all kinds of different things, as Jesus is saying. We see the things that are going on around us. We've talked about the signs, the storm clouds gathering. We have talked about the prophetic scenario. We know that we're in the last days. But what can happen is we become dull to it. Uh, The word doesn't mean just you do it being weighed down. It means it's something that happens to you. If you are not taking heed spiritually, and I think that most of us, we know this to be true, then you're going to become dull in your heart and you're going to begin to be sleepy spiritually and lethargic spiritually. That's why there's some very practical things for us to be consistent in our lives so that the dullness does not overtake our hearts. Devotions, I pray that you read your Bible daily, consistently, that you're being thankful to the Lord, that you have a heart that worships, that you know that fellowship is very important, that you're in prayer, that you're serving the Lord and investing in the kingdom. It doesn't mean that God is going to favor you more. You have favor with God. But there's wisdom in this. As we say, Lord, I want to be about just drawing close to you and knowing you and being in your word and growing in faith and growing in my love for you. I want to be a light to others, to serve you and whatever that might mean for you opportunities that he gives to you you and i can be taken over laden down with as he says first of all carousing uh it's interesting being uh taken over being uh overburdened uh, that word that we're looking at um it, it can mean overindulge uh it can mean even dissipation uh, we can become uh, overweighed and, and burdened down with uh, dull spiritually. We start to fill our minds with worldliness, self-indulgence. That's what it means, carousing. Uh, to be excessive with worldly pleasure. And it, it's all around us. Jesus said, don't be weighed down with it. Don't be weighed down with drunkenness. We know that Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 That don't be drunk with wine, which is the dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Sometimes we say, well, you know, obviously that's not going to happen as a Christian. But over the years, listen, many, many Christians have really struggled with the sin of drunkenness. 
Listen, if you want to have a glass of wine with your wife or your friends, that's your business this New Year's Eve. That's between you and the Lord. I do know that 1 Timothy chapter 3 tells me as an overseer that I'm not to be given to wine. But I do want to say this. You be careful. Because I have seen alcohol and I have seen the sin of drunkenness destroy so many lives. I hate what it does to people. There have been those who have sat at my dinner table more than once that are not with us that are gone because of drunkenness. Because going out and, and driving and drinking or because of an accident and it breaks my heart what it does to marriages and what it does to families and relationships. It's a destroyer. Don't be weighed down with it. Don't be filled with alcohol. But be wise in the days in which we are living in because it does affect so many people. Take heed to yourself, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the cares of life. It means that you're being pulled in different directions. Many of you, you know the parable that Jesus said of the sower that went out and sowed seed on different kinds of ground in the synoptic gospels. And he said that there was some seed that fell upon the ground and the wheat came up, but then the thorns came out and choked out the wheat. And Jesus, explaining that parable, said that the seed being the word of God um, can fall on the, the soil of our hearts. And, and there's fruit there. And we begin to learn the word of God. And we're growing in the word of God. But then all of a sudden, here comes the, the, the weeds. Here comes the world. Choking out the word of God out of our hearts. It, it's by pleasures of life and then cares of life. Now, all of us have cares of life, don't we? We got jobs, we got kids, we got activities. It doesn't mean we can't enjoy doing things as we enter into the new year. Maybe you like taking hikes and skiing and, and different kinds of activities that your kids are involved in. And, and as you read this, you think, what are the cares of life? I don't know, what are they for you? Because what it may be for you is different than it is for me. But what's happening is it's choking out the word of God. Your spiritual life, you're becoming dull. It's, it's not bad things necessarily, but it's pulling us in different directions. And when it ends up happening, it begins to choke out our spiritual life and we become dull spiritually. The cares of the world can choke out our taking heed. And that's why we're to cast our cares upon him. The challenges the difficulties, every area of our lives, every day of our lives, so that these things don't bring dullness to our spiritual life. And Jesus would say, and that day come upon you unexpectedly, suddenly. Now again, just to, to remind you what we read in First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 3 and 4, Paul says, For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape but you brethren you're not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief uh, non-believers that day the day of the Lord will come upon them unexpectedly you're children of the day not of the night Paul's being consistent with what our Lord is saying as in verse 35 we read, for Jesus said it will come uh, as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. That's a term for non-believers. Not just Jerusalem, not just Israel, 
the whole earth. That term is used in a reference uh, in in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, the promise given to the church of Philadelphia. They were the faithful church. And the promises given by Jesus, because you have kept my command to persevere, that's what he's telling us to do, to watch, to take heed, to persevere. Because you have done that, Jesus says, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, or King James, temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try those who dwell on the earth. There's only one time that trial, tribulation, you know, comes upon all the earth, and that's the tribulation period. We will be kept not just uh, um, through it. He says, I'm going to keep you out of and away from it. Jesus here, given this warning, because this day, the day of the Lord, which speaks of sudden destruction. It's, it's like uh, a thief in the night. It's going to be a snare, a trap that, that gets sprung. In the Olivet Discourse, It comes out of when Jesus there, right before his crucifixion, he's walking across the temple proper. And the disciples are saying, look at these huge stones. The second temple was magnificent, made of huge stones. You can see some of the foundational stones that are huge, as big as this back wall. Absolutely amazing, the Heronian stones. And and Jesus said that the time's going to come when not one stone's going to be upon another. He would then go up to the Mount of Olives and they came to him and they equated that time because they felt so secure, the religious leaders, we have the temple. Look at this magnificent temple overlaid with gold. You know, this is God's holy city. And Jesus said the time's going to come, not one stone will be upon another. And so they equated that with the end of time. They said, okay, when is the, what are the signs of your coming in, in the end of the age? And Jesus began to talk about his coming. There are things in our lives that that we really put our security in. Now, we all want some kind of security, don't we? Financially, health-wise, we work at that, being secure in our our housing, where we live, those kinds of things. There's nothing wrong with that. But the lasting security comes from the Lord and the blessed hope that we have and the hope of eternal life. That is the security that we have. And we can put our security in things, in our resources and careers and things of the world, and those things are not lasting. I think that COVID, when we went through that, it's hard to believe that it's almost been four years ago when it started, but people lost their jobs, they lost their businesses, things happened so quickly. That's the world in which we live. Those things can, can go away. And even as Jesus said, don't put your treasure, things of the world, put it in the things of the kingdom. So those who dwell on the earth, it has the meaning, that word dwell, that you're comfortable, you're settled with this world, comfortable with the world. The day, the day of the Lord is going to come on them like a trap. And by the way, the book of Ephesians says that Christ dwells in your heart. Is the Lord comfortable in your heart? Or are there things in your heart? on the walls of your heart that he can see. They're not pleasing. Christ dwells in our hearts. And here he says, the day of the Lord is going to be like a snare. It's going to happen. So don't be weighed down. Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 24, in the last days, lawlessness will abound. The love of money is going to grow, you know, love of many that is going to grow cold. 
We know that Paul talked to Timothy and said there are going to be those who have a love of money, love of self, misdirected love. But he who endures to the end will be saved, as Luke records Jesus saying. And then verse 36, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. All these signs that mark the end of the age, and now Jesus gives us hope that we can escape all these things. We know that Paul, as he said, that, that the day of the Lord is going to come unexpectedly. When they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. You and I have a way of escape. Sometimes people will say, you who believe in the rapture of the church and the coming of the Lord, you just want to escape. And I say, yes, I'll take it, okay? Because I don't want to be here when the tribulation period happens. Jesus says there's a way of escape. And that is that you become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and know that he's going to come for you. I don't buy into this that we shouldn't be looking for the return of the Lord. We have gone over over the last several weeks the commandment that has been given to us that we are to be watching, that we are to be looking. For I return at a time that you do not know, to be discerning, that we are to, to, to be ones, to know that the Lord can come for us at any time. It might be us personally, because tomorrow isn't promised to any of us. 2024 is not promised to any of us. It was a year ago that I got a call of somebody who lost their son in an avalanche who was hurting, that today as they kind of rehearse what happened, very, very difficult, unexpected. And I want to encourage you, and I implore you, if you're not right with God, give your heart to him. Because he's the one that gives us hope. He's the one that will take us home to be with him. So as we close the year, just very quickly, I want to give you seven things that we're to be watching for as we enter into 2024. Just jot it down. If you're taking notes, number one, I believe that lawlessness and violence is going to increase. We went over that verse. Paul said that last days will be perilous times. Many of you know if I said this before, that he borrows that word from Matthew. He borrows it from Matthew chapter 8 as Matthew describes the demoniacs as being violent and, and being fierce. Same word. The last days are going to be, be perilous. They're going to be, they're going to be violent. They're going to be very fierce. He writes to the church at Thessalonica, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Lawlessness will abound, and we're seeing that in our culture, in our nation, in our communities, and it breaks our hearts. Lawlessness and violence increasing. Number two, anti-Semitism is going to be increasing. It already has reports, you've heard them, almost 400% increase in anti-Semitism in this year alone. A couple of weekends ago, I was reading where over 300 bombing threats to synagogues throughout the United States. We see an increase in anti-Semitism that is growing in our universities, even in our leadership in Washington. It is growing in Europe, and it is growing across the world. 
The Bible is clear that prior to the second coming of Jesus, that Israel will find herself being alone, and Jerusalem will be a cup of trembling to all the nations. Number three, we're going to see an increase in upheaval in the Middle East. As Israel is entrenched in a war, as we know, in Gaza with Hamas, that the northern front is increasing, and there is a fight against Hezbollah, another terrorist group, and the northern front could very easily increase to an all-out war any time. We know that there are stage-setting events that could lead to Ezekiel 38. So increase upheaval in the Middle East. Number four, the church. Please be careful. Be wise and discerning in the days in which we are in. Because there's doctrines of demons that are coming into the church. There's false teachings that are coming into the church. They will appeal to the flesh. It sounds so good. It's so wonderful. But it's not biblical. Test the spirits to see if they are of God. Because many false teachers have gone out into the world is what John writes. And we are to be wise and discerning of the days in which we are in, in the church. Because there's a lot of, of false things in the church. There's been apostasy. Many denominations have fallen away from the truth of the gospel. There are pastors that are not committed to the gospel. And it's all leading to a false church that will be on the scene. I pray for revival. And it starts, I believe, in the church. I pray for renewed commitment to the word of God and the teaching of the return of the Lord of those who are behind the pulpit. Because if we are not teaching the word of God, if we are not teaching about the return of the Lord, where are people going to hear it? I know there's some good teachers online, but there's also some terrible teachers as well. It needs to come from us. It needs to come from the pastors behind the pulpit. And I pray that there be renewed commitment to it. Number five, look for the rise of strong delusion in the moral collapse of our culture. The Bible predicts that kind of thing in the last days. And we need to be praying. We need to be praying for our nation. It, it just breaks my heart as it does with you to see that the days are like the days of Noah and Sodom and Gomorrah. Jesus said the coming of the Son of Man will be like that. They bought and they sold. And, and things, you know, culture was stimulating. There's a lot sitting in the gate of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. People are buying. People are successful. But there's moral collapse that's taken place and strong delusion in saying that it's okay. It's not sin. God approves of it. We need to be praying for our leaders. We are heading into an election year. and You know that I don't get political, but I'm very concerned that a lot of Christians are going to be pulled into just all the stuff, the endless analysis. We should be updated. These issues are important to me. I understand that they are. They affect me and my children. But we need to be praying. We need to be praying for a revival in our leaders. Don't put your hope into a man. Put your hope into the Lord. And pray for godly leadership and godly men and women that will lead our nation. Number six, keep your eyes on Europe. The reason I say that is because we have a war that's heating up Ukraine and Russia. Will it spread into Eastern Europe more? We don't know. 
But we do know that Europe is going to be in the forefront in the tribulation period because that's where the Antichrist, that leader, is going to come out of that revived Roman Empire. We want to be ones that are praying, and spiritually, Europe is very, very dark. We have the opportunity as we get into the new year to help with the Calvary Chapel plan in Amsterdam, a very dark city, to be able to be light and bring the gospel there. And then number seven, listen, this is probably the most important. Keep an eye on, watch him on the Lord. Keep an eternal perspective on everything. Because we can look around and we can say everything's falling apart. But it's really falling into place. Just as the Lord said. And we want to be light to as many people as we can. Keep an eternal perspective. You be one. If you just are coming and you're full of anger and full of, you know, wrath and complaining and murmuring and all that, which I can do if I keep looking at these things and focusing at these things and say i got good reason to. But I want to get people's eyes on the Lord to see his goodness and for them to realize that he is our hope. He is our hope as we enter into 2024. Amen? Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for these reminders and, and Lord, what to watch for and for this series. And I, I pray that it stirred our hearts that we would be wise in the day in which we were living in, to continue to be watching for you and to keep an eternal perspective. And Lord, as we get ready to come and, and take the communion elements that are in front of us in our chairs, that it would be a time of just worshiping you and be thankful for your provision and love and this new covenant that we belong to. I want to just pray for anyone who's here listening. If, if you say, yes, I've become dull in my heart spiritually. As you are saying, yes, Lord, I, I've been caught up in all the cares of life that's pulled me away from you. Just tell the Lord, because his message to you is to come home, to come back. Get that proper perspective. He's so compassionate and loving. And in this new year, to be about the things of taking care of ourselves spiritually, taking heed to ourselves. And I thank you for all of us that are in different areas of life and different places of life, hospitals and first responders and mechanics and nurses, and those who are doctors that come, school teachers, those who, who are in the political system. I thank you for them. To make a stand for you, and to make a difference, and to be a light wherever we are. But Lord, may we truly be seen, the goodness of the Lord and the reality of the Lord in our lives. And I also want to pray, because as we come to the communion and hold the elements in our hands. It's for the believers. Not if you just belong to the church. It's for the believer. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. If you're not a believer, come to Christ. He's your security, your hope, your salvation. It's through Christ alone, faith alone, and grace alone. He said it is finished on that cross. And he died for your sins. And the invitation is for you to come to repent and turn to Christ and call out on him to be saved. You can do that right now, right now. Say, Jesus, I come and I ask you to forgive me of my sins.
I believe you died on the cross for me. Forgive me, a sinner. You rose again, and I ask that you would be my personal Lord and Savior. Help me to take heed to myself spiritually, to grow in faith and love, to walk with you and to know you all the days of my life. And I thank you for this new beginning and a new year coming. In Jesus' name. And for all of us to keep our eyes on you and a perspective, a heavenly, eternal perspective. Don't let the world rob us of our joy. And help us not to be pulled into the things of the world, to be dull spiritually. We're going to take of communion and the communion 